Hello, hello, everyone. This is Real Estate Hardball with JK, where I show you how to hit home run in real estate investing. Welcome and thank you all for being here. Thank you for coming on. Today, we are going to be talking about a crucial, crucial part of the business. It's crucial, and yet it's amazing to me how much it's overlooked. Okay, so in a moment, we're going to jump into this, and what we're going to be talking about is exit strategies. Exit strategies. Again, huge. I mean, this is probably one of the bigger parts of the business, and yet it is also one of the areas that I see the, so many mistakes happening. Again, this is part of the series that we started where I'm going to show you how to get a deal in 30 days. I mentioned it in the last episode, how to get a deal in 30 days, meaning how, no matter where you are, right? No matter where you are, whether you're brand new, have never done a deal before. I mean, you are a rookie, 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 (laughs) right? Total rookie from, from that to you're already doing deals. You're already out there making things happen. Now you're just looking to take things to the next level. Well, that's what this series is about, Um, how to get a deal in 30 days, meaning how do you at the very least, at the very least, how do you get a deal in the pipeline, a deal under contract, start the process in 30 days or less, okay? Um, and, and, And I'll tell you, when you get really good at this, and you have the right team around you, you have someone like me showing you the ropes, you have you know help along the way, I'm telling you what's really going to become the norm is for you to be closing deals, buying deals, getting deals under contract, getting them in the pipeline. We're talking about getting that stuff done in less than 30 days. I'm talking like two to three weeks. That's the average time it takes me to close a deal. Okay, and I want to get you there. We are going to get you there. For now, let's set the expectation a little more conservative. Let's do 30 days, right? So that's what this series that we're currently on is all about. And today, again, we're going to jump into this. We're going to talk about exit strategies. Now, first of all, let's just start at the very beginning. (laughs) Let's just start as square one, right? Let's start with what do I mean by exit strategy? What do I mean by exit strategy? Well, one of my mentors said something very simple. This was years ago when I first got into the business. One of my mentors said something very simple, and that is, you know what, Jay? What you're going to find is that it is easy to get into a deal. Now, I know that may sound like craziness talking right now, over time, as you get more into this business, you'll see what I mean, and you'll see that I'm right. I promise you, you will see it, okay? It is easy to get into a deal. The key, here's the key, is how to get out. <laughs> oh, and by the way, how to get out making money, <laughs> okay? That's hence the name, exit strategy, So that's the point. Exit strategy simply means what is your plan going into the deal? Okay, now here's where I'm going to stop and give you an extra pointer right off the bat. 
a common mistake that I see happening with would-be investors, and I'm talking beginning and experienced alike, one mistake, common mistake that I see happening is there is no plan going in. There's no plan going in. You get a lead on a deal, you jump in, and then you figure out what you want to do with it. I know that sounds like, wow, who would do that? Who, who, who in the heck would actually do that? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You, people get blinded with, oh my gosh, this is a good deal. It's a good deal. It's a good deal, right? And they go ahead, they pull the trigger, they buy the property, they put it under contract, you know, all that good stuff. And they don't, they, they do it before they actually had a plan of what to do with it. They just got into it. Then they figure out after the fact, oh, crud. Oh, shoot. I need to figure out how to get out of this. How do I, what do I do next? Right? So critical, key critical here is know what your plan is going in. Now, that's not to say, now I want to clarify this. That's not to say that you should analyze a potential deal for days on end, for weeks on end. Don't fall into the trap of analysis paralysis. We call it analysis paralysis. This especially is common amongst my attorneys, CPAs, engineers, those, my, my, my super technical, super smart people out there, right? My super smart listeners out there, okay? Don't fall into that trap. That's another common, common mistake that I see happening, okay? I mentioned in the last episode that one of the characteristics that separates a wealthy entrepreneur versus everyone else is that they have the ability to make quick decisions. Yes or no, make a quick decision and move on. Okay, so I'm not saying otherwise, so please don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying though is know what you what, know what your plan is before you get into the deal. And I'll explain what that means in more detail in a few moments. Okay, so that's what we mean by exit strategies. What's your plan? Okay, when you go find a deal, what are you gonna do with it? It's really that simplistic. It really is. That's what it means. Okay, be clear on this. And here's another thing that I am going to tell you, and I'll probably say it again throughout the course of this episode. (laughs) It's okay. Repetition is not a bad thing, especially in this business, right? You cannot afford to make mistakes. You know, they talk about, what what do they say? The the expression is, ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Wrong. Ignorance is not bliss, my friends. Let me correct that for you. Ignorance is expensive. Ignorance is expensive. Not knowing what to do in a deal can cost you well into the six figures. And I've seen it happen. This is not me just talking. I've seen it happen. I've had students of mine who have come to me just shaking their heads you know, after learning about how, they, how to do this business the right way, right? And they're shaking their heads. And I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation with them. Or a simple question, what's wrong? Why are you shaking your head? Why do you look upset? Oh, Jay, where were you a year ago? 
I get that a lot. Jay, where were you a year ago, two years ago, six months ago? Why? What do they mean by that? They mean that they got into a deal without really knowing what they were doing and they lost their assets. (laughs) We're going to keep this a family-friendly rated G broadcast, right? So they lost money, big time money, right? (laughs) So ignorance is expensive, right? So understand that not only do I want you to have a plan going into the deal, have a, a plan B, okay? Have a plan A, a plan B, and if possible, a plan C, right? And as we get more into this, I'll, I'll share with you more what I mean by this, okay? But again, the first step is knowing what the exit strategies are in the first place. What, what is an exit in the first place? Now, that brings us to the second part. That brings us to the next question. What are the main exit strategies in this business? Okay, what are the main strategies or what are the main exits? And really, it comes down to two major exit strategies. Yes, there's a bunch of techniques and strategies within those two, right? And I mean, gosh, I can go on and on and on and on on that. When it's all said and done, though, it really is, again, I'm a simple guy. Let's keep it simple, right? Let's not overcomplicate things. So there's really two umbrellas. Picture two umbrellas, right? When we're talking about the different types, like the two major types of exits. Number one, you have your quick cash strategies. Another term that I like to use in this business is earned income strategies. So quick cash or earned income strategies. The second, the second strategy or the second major exit is residual income strategies. Your residual income. Notice how I didn't say passive income. I know you've all heard that term and that expression before. Notice how I didn't use it. Why? Well, I'll get to that in a few moments. <laughs> there's, a very, there's a very distinct reason why I did not use that term, okay? So let's break this down a little further. So we have, we have quick cash, we have residual income. We have earned income, residual income, however you want to descri- or, um, uh, pronounce it, right? Doesn't matter. All right, let's break this down a little bit more. What do I mean by earned income or quick cash strategies? These are the strategies literally where you do the deal once, you get a check, you move on. You're doing the deal once, you're getting a check, you're moving on, all right? So what does that mean? Like what, what types of deals are we, refer, we referring to? Oh, I don't know, like a fix and flip strategy. Okay, fix and flips. Fix and flips are a perfect example of an earned income strategy. Why? You're buying the house once, you're rehabbing it, you're selling it, you're taking a check, you're moving on. That's earned income. That's quick cash, relatively speaking, right? Okay. Fix and flips. I mean, most of you probably already know what I mean by fix and flip. If nothing else, you've seen those flip that whatever shows on TV, (laughs) right? It's the same idea, although not quite as dramatic as when you're watching the TV show. Or sometimes it is. Let's just face it. It, it, Sometimes there is drama there too. (laughs) Um, So here's the thing. 
That's one of the major earned income strategies. Another one is wholesaling. Another example, I should say, is wholesaling. Okay, wholesaling, and I'm actually going to do an entire episode devoted to each one of these strategies. So again, stay tuned as I pump out these episodes. I'm going to be breaking things down to the nth degree. I'm going to be teaching all kinds of cool strategies and techniques. And again, I'm here. I'm here to help those of you who decide, you know what? I am ready to do this at a much higher level, whatever that means for you, right? I'm here and that is one of my my goals, for lack of better terms, right? So, um, wholesaling is simply this. It's another way of saying you're flipping contracts. I mean, that's really what wholesaling is. It's not that complicated, right? In fact, it's one of the easiest uh, low-risk strategies in the business. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, Please don't, you know, I'm not saying it's like super, it's not like it's easy. Don't get that idea. Just like with anything else, it's going to require work, effort, time, and money. Okay. That's just how it works. I I don't care what business you're in. Guess what? It's going to require work, effort, time, and money. And let's throw in their sacrifice. Okay. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you know, and and this is going back to what I said in the, my, my first, the first, uh, kickoff episode, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fluff you. I'm going to tell it to you like it is. And what I'm telling you, I'm one of the things I'm going to make it very clear. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you need to understand it's going to require work and sacrifice. You're going to have to put in some effort. Okay. That's just how it is. Checks aren't just going to come to you because you're a nice guy or a nice girl, nice woman, nice man, whatever. You're a nice person. Let's be PC, right? A nice person. (laughs) Okay? It's not going to happen. You have to put some work into it. However, with that being said, wholesaling is one of the least risky strategies out there. And it falls under the category of earned income right? So anything where you are making chunks of cash, one check, one chunk of cash, usually the deals anywhere, you know, on average will take between one to four, maybe one to six months to do the deal from start to finish. That's considered quick cash in real estate investing, real or quick cash strategies. So let's look at residual. Residual income, simple. Residual income is exactly what it sounds like. Okay, we're talking rentals, we're talking lease options, we're talking maybe Airbnb, right? That's the hot one right now. Um, Anything where, you know, any type of strategy where you buy the property once and yet you are getting regular checks either every month, every week, every two weeks, you know, whatever, right? That's residual income. Okay. Now what's the main difference between the two? And I, I, besides what I just shared, right? Here's the thing. And I, and I've said this in front of packed rooms. Remember I do seminars, I do workshops. I've, I've been, I'm, I'm, I mentor, I coach, I do the whole thing, right? I say this, I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million more times. Okay. The idea of flipping a house is sexy, right? It just is. I get it. I mean, that's why you have all these TV shows on, on the air now. It's sexy. I'm going to tell you, though, you are not going to get rich. 
I mean absolutely independently wealthy from flipping houses, okay? With the exception of a small percentage of people out there, it's not going to happen. Why do I say that? Well, simple. I mentioned this before. It's an earned income strategy, right? What does that mean? It means that you constantly have to be working the business to make money. In other words, if you're not out there finding the deals, getting them rehab, you know, having your team in place, you know, working the actual deal day in and day out, you have no deal and you have no money. In other words, it requires consistent effort and work and time for you to make this part, this business work, the earned income side of things. Okay. So the pro of, of an earned income strategy is that you get a quick check. Quick check, quick check, right? You get a chunk of cash, it's awesome. And don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with pulling in a 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000 check after four months of work. Not bad at all, right? As far, and when I say four months of work, you're not putting in 40 hours a week. Understand that, okay? You're not even close. And in, in future episodes, again, stay tuned because I've got that coming. How do we do it? How do we make all of this? How do we, how do we tie all of this together? It's coming. Stay tuned, okay? The bottom line is there's nothing wrong, and I still do it to this day. I love pulling in twenty dollars to $50,000 checks on average. Oh, I love it. Nothing wrong with it. I'll tell you what that money is good for. That money is, is your lifestyle, that pays for your lifestyle. That pays your bad consumer debt off. Now, in a, in a, again, I will, down the road, explain the difference between good debt and bad debt, because I'm going to tell you right now, there is a difference. I am millions and millions and millions of dollars in debt right now, and yet I sleep like a baby. Why? Because there's a difference between good debt and bad debt, okay? So... Earned income strategies pay off the bad debt. In other words, the car payments, the clothes, the credit cards, that kind of thing. It provides a lifestyle. Okay, my flips provide my lifestyle, allows me to, and then I'll tell you this, the other thing that the, the earned income strategies do, it's my keep the lights on money. <laughs> I, call, I call it my keep the lights on money. In other words, that is what pays for my monthly nut every month. My monthly expenses every month are covered with my quick cash strategies, okay? That's what it's for. And then for me, I love doing things with my kids, so guess where that money comes from? The traveling, the vacations, all that good stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and and I'll cover this in a future episode. I don't go on vacations anymore. I haven't gone on a vacation in over 16 years. I go on business trips. And my kids happen to come with me. How convenient, (laughs) right? So that's what that money's for. True long-term wealth building is going to come from your residual income deals. That's just how it is, okay? So your rentals, your apartment buildings, your commercial properties, things of that, those types of strategies where checks are coming in every month. Think about it this way. Another term that I've used to describe residual income deals is that's your mailbox money. So no matter what you do, that money's coming in month after month after month. Now, notice how I didn't call it passive income, and I told you I would explain why. Here's why. 
in my opinion, in my experience, okay, in this business, I have never, ever, ever come across truly passive income business strategy, whatever. Okay. And I know that people are out there teaching it. I know people are teaching this really like uh, euphorian, you know, dream of, hey, you can be kicking it on a, on a hammock and, you know, sipping a fruity drink and, and well, you know, just whatever, chilling and never have to work another day in your life while the checks are rolling in. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. I've been doing this for 16 years. I have yet to see a business that is truly passive in that way. You will always have to have a level of involvement in your business. However, residual income, absolutely, I believe in. Okay, where all you're doing is overseeing operations and those checks roll in every single month. Okay, there is a difference. Passive, where you just sit back and do nothing and make money, no. Okay, no. You know, having checks coming in every month, like clockwork, yes, that's what we're talking about, okay? Now, how do you determine which exit is right for you, or at least to get started with? Because eventually the answer is going to be, and I get this, the answer is going to be C, all the above, right? Eventually what you want to have in your business is you want to have flips going on. You want to have some wholesaling going on. You want to have a couple of different types of um, earned income strategies going on. I get it. Okay. I get it. Um, and at the same time, you also want to have those residual income deals lined up. You want to have a nice portfolio. So every month you're bringing in checks from different types of deals. Okay. This is referred to as, or this is an example of multiple streams or multiple sources of income. This is what we're talking about. And I mentioned this before. I'm going to say it again. Okay. I refer to it as being financially bulletproof. Do you want to be financially bulletproof? Meaning, look, I'll tell you right now, I'm financially bulletproof. What does that mean? It means, frankly, I don't care what the economy does. I don't care. I really don't. I don't care if it goes upwards, downwards, sideways, long ways, short ways, diagonal ways, doesn't matter. Why? Because I have multiple streams of income coming in, which means if one of my streams kind of gets cold, no, no worries. I've got the other ones coming in. Most people have how many sources of income? One. It's their job. That is risky. What happens when you get laid off from that job? And before you tell me, oh, that'll never happen. Yeah, right. You know how many times I've heard that? You know how many times I experienced that myself before I went into business as an entrepreneur, as a real estate investor myself, okay? Having one income is dangerous. So even if your plan is to keep your job, at least do this on the side. And I'm not telling anyone to quit their job. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying go out tomorrow and quit your job. It's not what I'm saying at all, okay? Now, in future episodes, we'll talk about what's your bigger plan with this. And for some of you, eventually, this is going to be your full-time gig, right? Even if that's the case, I am not telling anyone to quit their job tomorrow. (laughs) Please, 
Please understand that. I am not telling you to quit your job tomorrow. (laughs) Okay? What I'm saying, though, is regardless of what your plan is, whether it's to quit your job eventually or keep it or whatever, at least have something going on on the side. Have another income coming in so you're not relying on one source. Okay? So how do you determine which one to get started with? So again, eventually you're going to want to have residual and earned going on. What do you do to determine what you need right now? Simple, okay? What I do, when I sit down with students that I'm training, coaching, mentoring, is I'll sit down with them and I'll look at their financial picture. I'll look at their financial snapshot. What's your consumer debt look like? What what kind of income are you bringing in? What's your credit score? What kind of assets do you have? Like I look at your financial blueprint, if you will, right? And from there, you can determine what it is you need first. Because especially if you're just getting started, I'm going to recommend you pick one strategy to get started with. Get really good with it, right? To where it's almost on autopilot, then add on more strategies, okay? So most people, most people, most students that I work with, when they come to me, Most of the time, there's some consumer debt that needs to be paid off. Maybe they don't have a whole lot of money sitting in the bank. I'm a big believer in having an emergency fund in the bank, okay? At any given time, this is my own own thing, right? At any given time, I want people to have at least $100,000 in an emergency fund sitting in the bank, Okay? No, it's not making a great return. I get that. However, you just never know when something is going to happen. In fact, the one thing you can, the one thing you do know is that something will happen. It's just a matter of when and how big. So I'm a big believer. Pay off your bad consumer debt. Okay? Again, I'll talk about the difference between good and bad debt at a later time. But pay off your bad consumer debt. Have $100,000 sitting in the bank account in case of an emergency, okay? Where are you going to get that money? That's your earned income. That's your fix and flips. That's your wholesale. Most people are in that mode when they come to me for help and training, okay? Now, if you're beyond that, then, or, you know, once you get through, either you've gotten through it or you're already beyond that or whatever. So you're consumer debt free, you've got money sitting in an emergency fund, you're looking good financially. That's when I recommend that you get into residual income deals. Okay. Now you start building your long term wealth, you start building your portfolio. But, Jay, why not do rentals right off the bat? Why not just start with rentals and have the, the rental properties paying your bills? Because I have learned this, this is from my own experience in the trenches for 16 years. I'm going to tell you right now, when you own rental properties, it's not a matter of if something's going to happen, it's a matter of what, when exactly, right? So you need to have money put aside, a rainy day fund, if you will, for your rental properties. One of the biggest mistakes I see investors make is that they... They jump into rentals too soon. They jump into residual income properties too soon without having the proper resources to weather the storms when they come. 
So when a, when a repair needs to happen, they don't have the money lined up for it. What do they do? They put on a credit card. A tenant moves out, they've got to refix, they, they got to clean up the unit, get it ready for the next tenant, right? They don't have the cash for it. So what do they do? They put on a credit card. Okay, do you see the pattern here? Then one day they wake up, their credit cards are maxed out, and all of a sudden the roof needs to be replaced. Now what? They are done. Game over, right? So that's why for most people I say we're going to start with quick cash type deals. We're going to progress to residual income. With that said, some of you are already there. Point is, you need to determine which one you're going to get started with, okay? And eventually, you're going to have all of them going. All right. Finally, are you in a good market for the strategy that you want to do? Not, now this is, I'm going to tell you, people who know me know one of my things is that I'm a big proponent of -of out-of-state investing, okay? Big proponent of -of out-of-state investing. Why? Well, frankly, one, to diversify. It's just like with stocks. You put all your money into one stock, or is it a better idea to maybe spread it out a little bit? Same thing. Every market's a little different. Every market is in a different point in the cycle. It's a good idea to diversify whenever possible. Second reason is that, frankly, not every exit strategy is going to work in every market. I'll give you an example. As I mentioned before, I'm based out of San Diego, California. I'm going to tell you right now, San Diego, as with most of California, is a horrible market for rentals. Horrible. (laughs) Did I mention it's bad? Why do I say that? Because for the most part, and there are a few exceptions here and there, but for the most part, you cannot find rental properties in California that will give you a good return on investment. Okay, the return on investment is usually very poor. Okay, so you can either do what the amateur investor does, which is buy rentals here anyway, even though you're not getting a good return, or you can find better markets that will give you a higher return on your investment. And don't worry, when we get into property analysis at a future episode, I'm going to go through what ROI is, how to determine it, what is a good ROI, all that good stuff, all of that's coming within this series, okay? So for those of you who are like, well, you know, who are are panicking right now, (laughs) right? I hear it, I can hear it, right? It's okay, we're getting to it. Just know that this is, just understand where I'm going with this, okay? So for me, almost all of my rentals are in the Midwest. 99% of my rental properties, my residual income deals are in the Midwest, Okay, so under, that's just an example. Now, so the question is, can you do flips in your backyard, in your market? Can you do rentals in your backyard or in your market, right? Can you do it? And if not, or if you can, then great. I can do flips here in San Diego, no problem, right? And I also do flips in several other markets around the country. Why? To diversify. I do rentals mostly in the Midwest, Okay, my point is this, you have to determine what are the best markets for what you're looking to do. And in the next episode, what's coming next, right? In the next episode, we're going to be talking about that. How do you determine the best markets for your investments? 
the best markets for what you're looking to do. I refer to it as qualifying areas. Qualifying areas. That is going to be episode number three, okay, of get a deal in 30 days or less. So this is JK with Real Estate Hardball uh, showing you how to hit a home run in real estate investing. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And uh, be on the lookout. Next, we're going to be talking about qualifying areas, how to determine the best markets for your money. Until then, have a great day, great evening, great week. Until next time.